All right, today on the Teaching a Rockstar podcast, we have my pal, Christy Bowers. And Christy and I met years ago. I think we traced it back to, um, I'm going to have to check with her. I'm going to check with her first thing when we start this thing. I'm going to check with her. I think we met at one of the very first Teaching a Rockstar events. And I want to say, I could be wrong, I want to say it was in Dallas. And this is like years, coming up on a decade ago. And uh, and Christy is one of my favorite people I follow online. And you know, sometimes people post stuff. And um, once in a while, like you re- you're you're scrolling through and you and you read their post, and it's like just crazy, inspirational, and moving, and so on point with how you believe. Um, she's one of those people for me. I think she's amazing, and uh, we're going to talk about kids and teaching and making a difference in the lives of students. It's going to be awesome. Teaching a rock star podcast with my pal Christy Bowers. Let's do this. At that time, I'm thinking, I remember being in college, it's 1986, I'm in in educational technology class, and we learned about um, film strips, and we learned about like those little, uh, it's like a slide projector, had these like individual square things, you know, and you had to pop them Uh into the thing in the carousel, and it would go around. Uh And like we we were examining things (laughs) like the copy machine, that was pretty high tech, and um, I know, and the overhead, like so. We so like in class, we're talking about the technology <laughs> of the overhead projector. That's nice. And now look you at us. Do you want to feel old? I'm, I used an overhead at my old school, and my kids were like, "What is this? Oh my gosh!" <laughs> they had no clue. No, they were like, "I remember, I remember when I was in first grade, and my teacher used this." Right. It's so bizarre. Yeah. And you know, man, this is like a generation of kid that has like they've they they haven't they've never known life without a cell phone. Like they, they don't even know what that reality it is. No, that's my daughter just now. She was trying to help me get Google Chrome for the Mac. Yeah. And I told her I said it doesn't work. The app store says it doesn't work. And she's like, Mom, mom. She graduated last year. Right. Mom, I've got this, mom, mom. <laughs> So finally, she went upstairs. I was like, it doesn't work. It says right here, it doesn't work. And she's like, I said, you're treating me like I'm stupid. I am not old. I've got this. She's like, I'm going upstairs. I'm going upstairs. You can handle it by yourself. That's funny. So. Like, like <laughs> your kid is at the point where she's like, oh, aren't you cute? Trying That's to- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Look at Who you. Trying in to- my 40s, I'd be used up. Right. Trying to play with your technology. <laughs> aren't you cute? I'm telling you. So sad. All right, so you, okay. you, uh, you know, I was trying to think back. I think you have my maybe you were at one of the very first original teaching a rock star things. Like it was, uh, yeah, I know. Like, cause I was trying to think back, like how many years ago, and I know where the first one was, and then and then we, we decided to take it on the road. And I think that was like our first little trip to go out to other cities and uh, and uh, do the thing, and that was years ago. It was a day or two. It was a day or two. It was awesome though. Here's the thing. I told you that. I loved it. We had it was so much fun, man, isn't it? It was. It was. You had the big hair back then though. The I had hair. let me it wasn't hair. It was a glorious, luxurious <laughs> crop that oh. I would I would tend to and um and since I gave that stuff up, I have man, I have I have so much more time in my life. <laughs> 
that was, that's why that's why you were able to add podcasts, right? Exactly. Well, here's the thing. Like when you know when uh, we finally decided to have kids, everybody's like, "You're not going to believe how much time it takes." Hey, man, I was already used to it. Like having a hair like that, a hairdo like that was like having a child. <laughs> like you had to feed it and nourish it, you know, and take care of it. Uh. Uh-uh. It was awesome. It was an awesome workshop. It was. My friend Robin and I went, and uh, they sent us. They said, we think that you would be good ambassadors for the school. Go and and experience. And we loved it. We loved it. Came back all excited. Did you have to um, bring anything? Like sometimes you have to go back and like reteach what they taught. And, uh, you know, people have a hard time with that because it's such a, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those things, man. Like I never really tell anybody what to do or how to do it. It's just kind of all through this anecdotal story format. And my whole goal is to help people come up with their own ideas of what to do and how to Mm -hmm. do it based on the stories. Well, and that was, we, when we went back, we were kind of like, okay, we kind of do what he's talking about already. Yeah. So that was, they had asked us to do that. Um, and we were like, but it's kind of a, you do it, you build it, you, you know, we talked, we were like, it's about relationships, man. It's about relationships. Always. So, you know, like, and for, and for teachers like you, that's why I love it. Cause I think, um, you know, um, the thing, anytime I do like one of those at a hotel, I get it. Like, I totally understand. Like most times I am preaching to the choir because the people that (laughs) want to go, they're already awesome. Like that's what, and they're awesome because they go to stuff. And so, but what, what I love about it is it's equally important. Like for like, for some teachers, what we talk about in those workshops is like a revelation. Like, Oh my God, that's how finally I get it. That's, but for lots of other people like you, like that affirmation, like you're doing it the right way and this is how Absolutely. you do it is just as important. Absolutely. 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 Because this as is a matter of fact, I, I talked you up the other day to our department head. Yes. About coming to um, do in service for us. She's going to be an assistant principal next year. Uh-huh. And so I was like, hey, hey I hey, happen hey. to know this guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's do it, man. I loved it. Because like I said, man, that was years ago when I was there. Years. A decade. Yeah. I have a feeling there's been some teacher turnover in the last 10 years. Uh, One or two. Well, we've grown from 3A to 5A. So there's been a little bit of growth as well. Yeah, one of the, here's what I loved is this is what what was rare about that place is um, when I did the the whole full day thing there, and they have a beautiful um, you know auditorium at the high school, and I and the lots of school board members came and they sat there right in the front row and they stayed all day and totally participated. We're all in, and man, that is such a rare thing. For we have an awesome district. It's an awesome awesome district. I'm yeah. proud to be there. Here's and it's, I, I actually taught there back in 99, 2000, left to get married, have babies, and was going to quit teaching forever. And then um, they pulled me back. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to a guy last night. He had quit teaching, and then and he's back in it. And, uh, you know, he yeah. said, he actually, he told me he quit twice. And, um, and I said, I said, well, what's the biggest change? Like when, when you go out to the corporate world and you're doing that scene and he said, you know, the first day I was, I taught for like 12 years, went and got like an office job and, um, like a normal, whatever, I don't even know where people work or whatever they do there and has a little cubicle. <laughs> and he said the weirdest thing, like about, you know, 1030 in the morning, he had to go to the bathroom and he gets up and he's walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom. Not one person said hi. And he's like used to high fiving <laughs> on the way to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. He said nobody high fived when he went to go pee. That's exactly. <laughs> well, and and the fact that he could go pee at ten thirty. 
That's right. amazing in and of itself. <laughs> he didn't ask to have permission. He didn't anytime any, he wanted. Nobody had to cover his cubicle when he when he left. That's exactly exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I I snuck out yesterday, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to go pee really quickly. No one will know. It'll yeah. be fine." And I go back, and there's the uh, our one of our assistant principals with one of my kids out in the hallway. And then I'm like walk of shaming it past him while he's griping at a kid because yeah. take him off for another issue. But I'm like, yeah, so he totally just saw the bus, my class completely. Yeah. I totally got busted. Yeah. So here's, okay. you know, I think that's one of the things we don't think about. Um, just the, it, just the fact that the, the, the bathroom situation in like, cause you know, anytime you put like a couple thousand people in one building, you know, you have to think about bathrooms. And, um, I had a kid, she came to me. Her her name was Amy, and she came to me her f- sophomore year, had never been in public school. She's a homeschool kid. Oh, bless her. And and like and they did homeschool the right way. Like she was yeah. you know how they say, like, oh, you're not gonna have any socialization. Like she had been around adults her whole life and in all kind of clubs and plays and yeah. And she just wanted she was she was an athlete, she wanted the school experience. So mom said, Okay, go to school. And um, so I have her and she introduced herself, and it's like talking to like a 30 year old woman. Cause she's so like mature and she shook hands. And, and so at, I, at one point I'm looking in the class and she's looking around and looking around. I'm kind of watching her because it's really interesting. Like we're passing out papers. She's never passed out papers before. So she doesn't know the process yeah. of, you know, she's trying to do what everybody else is doing. And, and then, and she gets up and she's standing there and I'm um, looking around and she's walking towards the door. I said, Amy, you, you okay? And she goes, why? I need to, I, I need to go to the restroom. I said, okay, come over here. And, um, and she, and like, we have that, like the, the plastic pass mm-hmm. and like, this is, she's never had to sign a form to use the restroom. So, and she's, <laughs> and she's like, well, what do you want to know? And I said, we have to put your name on it and like the date. And, and she goes, I, I just have to, I have to be. I said, well, I, I, and, and then I get it. She has no idea. Like this, this is so foreign to her and so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And she and she has it's this purple plastic pass, and she's walking out the door. And she goes, "Do I take this with me?" I go, "Yeah." And she goes, "So when I'm walking down the hall, everybody knows I have to pee." I said, "Well, kind of like that, yeah." <laughs> it's so strange. Exactly. Yeah. My mom homeschools. My mom homeschools. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she's got a ton of a ton of kids. They've done foster kids and adopted, and so she uh, she homeschools now. Yeah. So she's always like, Christy, if I could have kids, and you know, if I knew my kids were going to have teachers like you, and I keep trying to explain to her mom, there are teachers like me everywhere. Yep. We're all, all of us, there are more that love kids than don't, I believe. I know it. I, I believe that's true. And my mom's like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, no, it is. I don't know where her mind has gotten to that all public school teachers or, yeah. you know, these uncaring people. But I'm like, no, mom, everybody loves kids. We do. We, we are all in it. I haven't taught, I've taught with very few that are just like, eh, retire me. I'm ready. Sure. Most of us are in there fighting the good fight and we're ready to go. And so I keep trying to tell them like public school's good, mom, public school's good. You can put them in. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes it's kind of like a restaurant. You know how, like, if you go to a restaurant and you get bad service and bad food, it's like, forget this place. I'm never coming back. I think sometimes maybe somebody had one bad experience with a teacher or one situation, and therefore they just kind of, you know, categorize the whole thing as bad and they're all bad. I, I Like, I guess that's what it is. I don't know, though. I don't know. Well, and what's funny is there's three of us who went through public school and had good experiences. We didn't have bad experiences. 
So I don't know. I don't know where the the switch got flipped. Yeah. So where yeah, now? Um, interesting to me. Where did you grow up? What town? I grew up in Caddo Mills, a tiny little town. Um, had like a population of a thousand. C a d d o two d's that one. Uh, All right. C a d d o. Yep. Okay. Outside of um, well, it's in Hunt County. It's outside of Greenville, between Greenville and Roy City on I thirty. That's where I grew up. All right. And how big, when you were there, how big was that school? We were 2A. Uh, I graduated from the biggest graduating class ever to date in 1991, and there were 43 of us. Wow. <laughs> that top 10% of the class was just a select few. <laughs> we were. We yeah. were. We were tiny. Yeah. We were. That's funny. Yep. I um. I was uh, well, my 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 first job was at a one A school, and um, that year was a really really small class, and it really was like the valedictorian and the top ten percent was the same kid. That's how small yeah, that. Was. <laughs> my first my first school was a one A school too. Yeah, we were tiny. Yeah, I taught in Blue Ridge. We were tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, they had twelve man football. Yeah, they did, but we were tiny, tiny, tiny. I think our their graduating class. Matter of fact, they're fixing to have a reunion for 1999. Um, I think that class they were talking the other day. I think they graduated with 26. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So. And so yeah. when when you taught at the tiny school, um, you taught tons of different stuff, right? Because I know when my one day experience, I was a music teacher, band director, but I also taught a bunch of other stuff. I didn't know what I was signing up yeah. for, but that's how it works <laughs> at the one A. You know, you just sign exactly. up. We'll let you know on the first day of school what you're teaching. <laughs> I taught um, Spanish. That was what I was there for. Yeah. And then I taught uh, semester theater or two. Um, I taught speech. I taught journalism. Uh, I taught all kinds of different things. But it would just be like a semester here. We're going to have you teach a semester of journalism. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was it was way different. Way different. Here's the thing, though. Um I loved it. Like, cause I've, I, when I went to high school, I was in a giant, like 5A school in Katy. And, you know, it was like, I, you know, it was just a sea of kids in the hallway and you graduate with hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and taking that job, that first day of work there was my, like, that was the first day I've ever stepped foot on a campus of that size. I, I didn't even know places like that existed. And it was, um, it was awesome. Like it was absolutely amazing to be a part of such a close knit community and family feel mm -hmm. where everybody went to that school. I remember, I remember asking the principal, I said, Hey man, when is open house? Like, do we do that? Uh, open. He's looking at me, he goes, open house. Everybody went to this school. All these, they all, all these, te they, everybody had these same teachers. They're all up here. Any, what, what, he's like, why don't you go to somebody's house if you don't know them? You know. <laughs> that was well, and that was the, my experience was similar because you know the, and I would go in and I'd be like, I'm having a problem with this kid, and they're like, Well, go talk to the secretary. That's her nephew. She'll straighten him out. Yeah. Everybody's, go talk to, you know, the cafeteria lady. That's her grandma. Uh -huh. She got it. Everybody's related, so everybody's related to, related to er everybody. Yeah. Even even weirder than that, I would have kids. So I, I was a band director. So I had um in a high school band it was eight through twelve because there's so many there's so few kids that get the eighth graders in there too, and um and like I would have kids and I would say oh you guys got the same name is that your brother and she's like no it's my uncle, and I'm like what how is he <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the math like how does that even <laughs> your uncle is next to you 
in my classroom. It was so strange. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and I even had married kids. I did too. I did too. At the little baby, at the small school, the one, the one uh-huh. school. I did yeah. too. They were married and had a baby. Yep. I taught because I taught seniors. Uh huh. <clears throat> I had these yep. two twins. I was, 20, I was twenty-one teaching. I was twenty-one teaching seniors. Uh uh-uh. uh I, that, no. that's a recipe for disaster. Let me tell you something. When I, 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 I would, I didn't know then, but looking back, I can, I know, like I admit I had no business and <laughs> <laughs> no business being entrusted with the lives on a field band field trip <laughs> with a busloads of kids and me and I'm 21. I, I agree. I actually have apologized to those kids. They follow me on Facebook mm-hmm. and like, They'll, they'll, you know, contact me or something. And I'll be like, y'all, I'm so sorry. I had no clue. I didn't realize we took them to Mexico for their senior trip. <laughs> Mexico. Right. How in the world? I don't know. <laughs> Driving across the border. <laughs> I don't know. No, we, we flew them. We flew them across. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. Can you imagine? It, it was God. He kept us safe. That's the only thing I can imagine. I cannot fathom. And I've taken kids to New York now. I've taken them everywhere. But I cannot imagine taking kids out of the country again like that. Now God, Not to Mexico. God was just like your daughter. He was thinking, aren't you cute? Taking these kids out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll take care of you. Don't exactly. you worry. <laughs> Fools and little children. Right. Fools and little children. Yeah, I, d- yeah. I had to do the apology thing too. In fact, I, was, um, I went back and spoke at that school. I did their back to school big day. And and. Oh, and I know it was cool. And um and in those towns, as you know, lots of kids come back to teach. And in that group, I had six or seven maybe kids that were in my class that are now teachers and moms and in their thirties and forties. And um and th- and that was my opening line. Before we get started, I would like to take this opportunity to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the best. I I did like the best I could do. I just didn't know what to do and I was faking it till I was making it. And you happen to be the the victims of that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you were my guinea pigs. You that's were my true. guinea pigs. And when when, yeah. when you were in high school, when um, did you know like like during that time in uh, Cato Mills, did did you know that you were going to be a teacher? Yeah, I've always known I wanted to be a teacher since the time I was tiny. Um, so I went to my mom put me. I was an, I was the oldest child. And my mom put me in something called, I think it was Tuesday school. And so one day a week, I think it was like a Mother's Day out program. She got to escape from me. And so my very first day, they gave me one of those gold foil stars. You know, the little stars that use the red, yellow, green. I got to lick them and stick them. They gave me a gold foil star and I was hooked. I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. So I came home and I lined up all my stuffed animals and, um, my, I had my mama's ruler and I'd spank my teddy bear because he'd talk too much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had all my pens and pencils. And that year for Christmas, it was the best gift I'd ever gotten. She gave me a box full of construction paper and more little gold foil stars and, um, and my own ruler and crayons and colored pencils. And I got to be a teacher. Uh-huh. And I was hooked. I just knew it. She found um, an old school desk for me. And I had it in my room, and I used it at my as my little desk, and I lined them all up, and wanted to be a teacher. So I'd known, I've known since I was three, I guess, four. Yeah. That that's just what I was going to do. And then, and then, even go through junior high and high school. In the back of your mind, you're still thinking about the teaching gig and all that. 
always, always, always wanted to be a teacher. Um, when I got to high school, Mrs. Kathleen Williams was my um, English teacher. And we were blessed enough to have the same English teacher freshman, junior, and senior year. And um, Mrs. Williams, next to my mother, is the woman who made the biggest difference in my life. Um, and so I've gone back, actually, and met with her now. She retired the year we graduated. And I've gone back and visited with her. And have, I've told her that. And she knows. Um, she, she, was, she was the teacher I always aspired to be. So she's phenomenal, phenomenal woman, still teaching. Now she does missionary work in Africa. Yeah. She's like 82 years old doing missionary work. Still around. Doing so, it, yeah, man. I've always wanted to be a teacher. My great grandmother is actually great or great, great grandmother is one of the first um, graduating classes from East Texas Normal College, now Texas A&M Commerce, uh -huh. um, a million years ago. We've got a family picture of her in front of one of the. Benley Hall, so, which now is the math department. She's one of the first teachers out of that, graduating teachers out of that college. You know, I've seen those same pictures. Same place that I went to school. Really? Bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've seen those pictures where, um, you know, they, and, and they're all women, first of all, and they're all, they're all lined up on the steps of, you know, some, some fancy, uh, building there on campus. And it's, uh, it's, it's a hundred percent women and they have all the same matching little dresses on and their purse and, uh, and man, and so you go back to uh, full circle. You go back and you go to college at the same school your great, 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 great grandmother went to. Two greats. Oh, yeah. Two greats. Two greats. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just for dramatic effect. Yeah. Dramatic effect. And so, yeah, so when 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 you went through college, the whole um, you, you're doing the t and you're getting ready to student teach. And when you got out there to st you didn't student teach. I didn't student teach. What'd you do? So, <laughs> Does anybody know this? You you might not be certified. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not actually certified. Um, no, I did emergency certification. Oh, so cool. the year that <clears throat> the year that I was there, uh -huh. um, there was some misappropriation of funds at my college. This is exciting. Ooh, the plot thickens. I know. <laughs> and so um, they were going to make you pay extra to go and student teach. And so it was like five or six thousand dollars extra above and beyond to go student teach. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't afford it. I was already working three jobs to go through school because I paid my way through. I didn't do any student loans. Mm -hmm. And I was already working um, multiple jobs. And I was like, I can't go do this. So I dropped all education from my degree plan. And I have a degree in um, British literature, European history and Spanish. Wow. And then I went back and got the job teaching Spanish because that was a high need area. So I got the uh, emergency cert and taught three years doing Spanish. And meanwhile, was passing all of my exits and, um, you know, going in and taking all those classes since it was emergency certification, um, which I had already had like my psychology, my educational psychology and some of my other ones. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So I never did student teaching. It was completely, I did some sub work. Um, that was one of my jobs getting through college, Yeah. but I, uh, yeah, I had never done any student teaching. So it was really trial by fire for me. That's why I really apologize to those kids. <laughs> I had no stinking clue. Like first day I'm like, yeah, we got this. And, Easy. You know, 
Yeah. Easy. I'm not sure Easy student teaching it. even really prepares. I'm not sure you're any more prepared for me or just the kids that I see. I don't mean kids, but you know, these young the younger teachers and coming out because oftentimes in student teaching, um, many times they're they're put with really, really effective teachers and they come into the class and they haven't seen the years of experience and there's so many subtleties and why they're so good and, and have such a command of their, their classroom and their classroom leadership is on such a and like so so oftentimes they don't see the struggle or what you do when when these situations happen and I think the only way to really learn and to get good is just to be in there by yourself, but have then this, but have the support on the outside when you need it. Like, I think that's the real trick. And I think that maybe that's one of the places we drop the ball with our, with our young teachers and why there's so much turnover in this business is they're thrown in there by themselves, which as you have to be, but there's no support when they need it the most. And they, and they don't know how to ask for help. And oftentimes they're so lost. I don't even know what they need help with. They don't, they don't know what to ask. All they know is they're struggling and then they feel ashamed of that. So they, they don't tell anybody and they try to hide and they cut out their construction paper in the shape of that skinny window on the door and they tape it over. So nobody can see what's going on in there. Cause they feel bad about it and they struggle and then, and then they drop off. Yep, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. And I know that a lot of schools, both the last two schools I've taught at, which my last school I was at for 17 years, and then this one I've only been at since January. Um, one was the 3A, this one, of course, is a 5A. But both of those have instituted mentor programs. Yeah. And it's been interesting to me to see how they institute them differently. I think part of it is just the way they do it is the disparity in pay when you have better pay for your mentors you can do better things with them um because the 5a treats mentors very differently than the 3a did yeah so and that's that's not any kind of an indictment upon them i think it's more just the way i think part of it's the attitude and when there's a little bit more money you are held a little bit to a little bit higher standard I guess. I don't know. But it's been it's been interesting to me to see the difference in the, the mentor programs in yeah. these schools. I think um, that those uh, oftentimes we let our teachers, our new younger teachers down because it's almost as if we set them up. But we don't know, like we're setting them up for disappointment, but they, but, but no, but no one knows because, you know, we have a week or two before the kids come and where everyone's there and they're, they're learning people and everybody's stopping by to say, hi, welcome to the business. Oh, you're going to be a new teacher. And they're so cute and young and, you know, they they don't have any wrinkles yet. And we invite them to lunch <laughs> and we bring, we have extra supplies and we bring them stuff to their room and there's so much support. And what are you doing tonight? Come over. We'll have dinner. And there's all that's going on. And then the and then the first day hits and we get so busy so fast and so overwhelmed, it's like that we forget about them and we forget that they're struggling. But they come to lunch bunch and sit down and they don't talk about the struggle because they don't even know what to ask. And it's it, I, and that mentoring is so critical, um, and in and having an established program where people actually know what to do and know how to help and like that's what I always tell teachers is that don't ask what they need just go start helping them they don't know what they need just go in there and support that's them true. and help them and make it happen. That's so true. So it, at this job, I've been teaching twenty one years. Um, so they this the position that I've taken over was for a teacher who left in the middle of the school year, and she also did yearbook. So I've been doing yearbook with her or in, in lieu of her. 
Oh, well, they time. brought in the, I know, they brought in the old yearbook teacher mm-hmm. um, who had done it for a thousand years and who'd moved up to admin. And so she's been really a mentor for me. And this is what you need to do. This is the, the timeline. This is how you're going to do all this. So that's been very nice because she is truly and completely mentoring me. On the opposite side of that, um, because I've been teaching so long on the English side, they've just kind of been like, go do it, go be, you know, run with it. But there's so many little things like um, how we turn in our papers or like I got my contract the other day. I don't even know where to turn, drop off my contract to say I want right. to work there again. So, you know, it's little things like that that I think sometimes people don't think about. So it's been kind of interesting for me because I'm am in a way I have a mentor in one area, but in the other one, they don't really think about it because they're like, Oh, she's got gray hair. She's been doing this for a thousand years. She's good. But you, even, even your old teachers, your veteran teachers, Need a little help sometimes. Sure. And then think about how to, because even like that, because I know that too, because, you know, I show up on campuses, I'm on a different campus every time, and I don't even know what they're talking about. Well, what would you suggest in our our C3L meeting when we, and I'm thinking, (laughs) what are you even talking about? And if you couple that with a teacher who's never even taught before, like how, like just the jargon, you know, that they have to learn and the code, and then the fact that they have no idea what they're doing, that's just so overwhelming. So I was having a conversation the other day with a guy who does government work, and he was like, oh, our acronyms, you don't even understand acronyms. And I was like, dude, you do not want to go there with right. me. Because we will start talking about IEDs and your ARD and whether or not your BIP has been updated and how you're going to do on your EOC and whether or not this kid's been in BAU or ISS. You don't want to go there with me. And he was like, really? Education uses acronyms? Yes, sweetheart. We use lots of acronyms. We make things so complicated. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. Like even in education, it's almost <laughs> as if we have this feeling like if if we make it really complicated, surely it's going to be effective. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if we give it a fancy name and layer it with complexities, surely it's going to work rather than let's do something fun and simple. Because mm-hmm. that's always the it's, stuff that works. It, it's been funny to me, too. I've been in education long enough now that things are coming back full circle. Yeah. The things that, you know, we can't do this anymore. This is horrible. You're going to do it this new way. Well, now we find out the new way doesn't work and we're going back to the old way. Yeah. So, but it's brand new. That's because it's all new people who are proposing it. So it's all brand new. It's and all I'm cutting like, edge, cutting edge ideas. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I remember doing this. Yeah, I saw uh, there was a, something on the Facebooks the other day, and so it's a big announcement that some district is um, next year starting in elementary school. They are going to start teaching cursive. I saw that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? That's cursive? new. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, cursive <laughs> is some part of the brain that that fires when you do cursive that it doesn't when you print. And I don't know, man. I personally, I've never learned cursive. I just cannot get it in my head. I'm not a cursive. I can't do it. I do. <gasps> I do all caps. Print all caps. I make a big cap when it's supposed to be a cap, but the rest <laughs> of the letters are little caps. I would never ever tell anyone that if I were you. Never. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> that is your that is your shameful secret. Like yeah. you eat frosting out of the tub in your pantry. Right. And I can't I can't write in cursive. Those would be my like I would never tell anyone those things. <laughs> <laughs> I had a kid tell me the other day, he said, um, 
this kid, uh, he's from Scotland. And um, yeah, I said, man, I've always wanted to get over that part of the country. Um, I'm from uh, my family's history. Uh, you can date it back to Wales. He's like, hey, man, you don't you don't tell people that. And I said, what? He goes, he goes that being from what, like Welsh, you don't tell people. And I said, why is that? He said... <laughs> He goes, well, you know how like you have like A and M jokes, and like they're always the victim. He goes, over there, it's Welsh. We have Welsh jokes. They're the same jokes, <laughs> but they're about Welsh people. <laughs> I never, no one would tell me that. Yeah. So, so you're Welsh, and you can't write in cursive. I can't. No, I can't even. Dude, I, the the S, that alone between the S and the G, like make I can't. And a treble clef. I can't, like, I'll get them all. I can't even, <laughs> it's just too much. So when you were teaching, let me ask you this. When you were teaching, because okay. you've taught, you have this crazy background in literature, and then you're teaching Spanish, and now your book, what, of all theater. the- Theater. I taught theater for years. Now, were you in theater? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. No. No. <laughs> Listen, I've no, been there. So, I I taught biology. I never even taken a biology class, and I taught biology. Fantastic. I my daughter got involved in theater uh-huh. when she was four or five, and she read. She, so my daughter taught herself to read when she was two. Yeah. Thank tiny baby Jesus in a manger, because as a secondary teacher, that was my biggest fear. How do you teach someone to read? Right. Mad, mad props to elementary school teachers, because I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. So she taught herself to read. Well, one day she's four and she's reading the newspaper and she says, mom, I want to try out for this play. And I was like, (laughs) you're so cute. (laughs) So it's Winnie the Pooh, uh, House at Pooh Corner and for our little local community theater. And I was like, yeah, sure, honey, you can try out. Yeah. And she goes, she has a birthday before uh, auditions. We go. So she's five. She's in kindergarten. she goes and she knocks them dead and she gets a part as Rue. And so over the course of the next years, um, she was in multiple plays and did all that. So I was mom trying to make sure that she wasn't, you know, acting out at theater and stuff. And yeah. so I learned a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And then she made it to high school, junior high and high school. And in junior high, I actually, at that point I was teaching it by then. Went and got certified, which is a nightmare. Yep. If you've never taken a theater class and then you try to take the Texas test over 3,000 years of, the, of theater history. Right. But, yeah, so I've taught everything. And so is, you, is your kid still doing a theater thing? She graduated last year. Yeah. Um, she will be – she took a gap year, which uh-huh. has hurt my teacher and mother heart. Um, but she will be back next year, and she's going to do some theater in college. So. All right, cool. I got a theater yeah. kid. Do you? Yeah, too. I got my daughter. She's graduating here in a few weeks from the high school for performing arts in Houston, and she's a theater acting major there. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and my my son, he will be a freshman at the high school for performing and visual arts in Houston, and he's also in the theater department. But he is more into um, his audition. When you audition, you have to sing a song, you have to do your monologue, and then um, you have a portfolio. And he got through a song. He did a monologue, and um, but his portfolio was really, really tech heavy. And so that's how he kind of got in, I think, is um, he has built, um, designed and built stages and for Shakespeare plays and, 
you know, all that stuff. So um, he's fired up because at that school, man, like you get the, I mean, you, you like design and you build like with power tools and they weld and they have, you know, yeah. and, and when they, you know, and sing, when they do singing in the rain, they make it rain on stage and there's water systems. And so, and there's lighting and it's, it's insane. Like, and so yeah. he's fired up for that. So I can, I'm looking forward to that deal. She did, um, she was good enough that they did a one act play Yeah. and for one act play, she, she designed and built this bench that was also a log that they could stand on and they could do all this stuff and it looked amazing. And when we went to competition, the college, it was, uh, one of the junior colleges out in Gainesville gave her a, a, a um, scholarship on the spot. If you want, if you want to go to college here, we will pay for your theater. Come and be here. This is fantastic. Yeah. So she didn't do it, but cause I was like, Oh, that's college paid for, but <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> this gap year is expensive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It cost me a lot in Cheetos. Hey, I, um, also, um, that, uh, one act play thing. I tell people all the time, uh-huh. that is one of my favorite, if you've never seen and, you know, mm-hmm. seeing like sitting in the audience at the, at a competition is cool, but I really wish people could experience like the backstage, what it looks like, the staging area when they get everything ready and the amount of people involved and in getting everything out there and set in that time mm-hmm. in that, in that little zone that they have and it's, and then mm-hmm. to get everything off in time, it's, it is, it is astounding of all the logistics that goes into that thing. Yeah. I taught theater for seven years. And then um, this is my actually my first English job in in seven years. I've been doing theater all that time, so yeah, it's been and I it's funny because I miss it. I actually went back to my old job in the fall, even though I didn't work there, yeah. um, and helped my old co-director put on their fall musical. So I just volunteered all my time again, just like I did when I worked there. Yeah, um, for them to put on the fall musical, we did Little Mermaid. And then last year we did, when I was still working there, we did Lion King. So my daughter was Rafiki. Yeah. Um, so it was awesome. Do you miss, yeah, miss um, you know, anytime you're doing an extracurricular thing, like I was a band director and then I went to the classroom and, you know, do, do you miss now in your new position, those relationships that you create, when you have rehearsal every day for hours and you're on trips and you're on the weekends and you're there before school and they're coming in for extra rehearsal time during, you know, lunch and all that. Mm-hmm. Do you miss that depth of connection with a, with a smaller group? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's been funny. Um, I got into a little bit of an Instagram war with my new kids and my old kids. Um, my kids from my old school, my theater kids, I posted a picture of my new kids on my Instagram feed. <laughs> well, my old kids were She's, like, oh my God, yeah. you love them more. You never posted our picture. <laughs> You're cheating you on us. Back, <laughs> that's exactly. We feel betrayed. Yeah. And so I was like, if you go back in the feed, you'll see, because uh, there's all of the rehearsals and there's, you know, production and, and I, I was like, y'all are all over this. But so there was this whole big deal, but. Yeah, I miss I miss I miss getting to know my kids to that depth. Yeah, um, I, I do. But just for the simple fact that I knew um, most of my kids called me Mama Bowers to begin with because and they would tell me, well, you're the mama's teacher here. You're the mama's teacher in the school. And I said, what does that even mean? And one of them told me one of my theater kiddos told me he said, well, what that means is, um, you know, how like when your mom is mad at you. And you feel guilty for disappointing them. 
And so you try to be better. And like, even if she doesn't yell at you, even if she doesn't say anything, she just gives you that look and it just breaks your heart. You are the mommest mom of ours. You're the mommest. And I was like, so you just want to do better for me? And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's, we just, you're the mommest. So I miss, I miss knowing about my kids. I miss that opportunity to get to know them because if there was something going on, they told me automatically, you know, this is what's going on at home. This is, you know, what's going on in my life. And in the classroom, it takes a little bit longer to build that kind of relationship with your kids. Um, I, I think just one, because of the way the classroom is set up, um, because, you know, it's really easy to become the sage on the stage yeah. at the front and you're doing your lectures and you're doing your business and you're doing, you know, you're worried about an EOC. And, you know, when you're doing um, when you're doing something like theater, it's all about the process and it's all about the amount of time that you're pouring into it. And there's so much heart that goes into it. And it's hard for a lot of kids, I think, to realize that the heart that goes into, especially my, especially my kids that are involved in extracurricular, the heart that they're pouring in, you know, when, when they're on the field playing soccer or the heart that they're pouring in when they're, when they're competing on stage, playing their cello or the heart that they're, you know, that they're putting in when they're leaving that they're, they're all on the stage. They have to do that in the classroom too. Yeah. And I think a lot of times kids don't always get that, that the, the teachers who are their core teachers care as much as their extras teachers. I don't think they always realize that. You know, I'll tell you what, man. So focused on tests. It's so true. And, and I'll tell you a great mm. point that you bring up is well, one thing that's really interesting is in theater what's fascinating is the fact that there's a performance and just the fact that you're putting on a perform like this thing together there's something if people have never been a part of that it maybe they've been a part of a, a team or they've experienced that with a big game or playoffs or something but there's something really special about all common go working towards one thing and there's this crazy connection that happens because you're part of something bigger than yourself, and every has everybody has a significant role. Whether you're you're in lighting or you're the lead actor on front of the stage, it, everybody's all equally important. And then there's this something of where this connection and this family comes even closer together after the show wraps. And then there's like this this moment where you're sitting around and laughing and talking about where and remember she couldn't remember her lines. Remember that first day we tried to rehearse this week and all that. That alone brings a class together. And then the other fascinating part is like you talked about the sage on the stage is in theater or music, you are forced to put the students on the stage. Like you're forced to make them be in front of everybody and work it out and learn it almost as if they're teaching everybody else. Like you're forced in a position to put them on the stage and that too deepens the learning process. I think a lot of times too, one thing that I experienced and this broke my heart for my specials teachers. So mad shout out to those people. I never realized until I was, until I went from a regular tested subject to a special subject, how much um, you're kind of taken for granted yeah. You kind of get the riffraff because we got to put them somewhere. So we're going to put them with you. Uh -huh. um, you and for me, because I did come from an English position, I was really hardcore on discipline to begin with. And, you know, we did our call to attention class, class. Yes, yes. We did all that kind of stuff. Um, so I just changed it to cast, cast. Yes, yes. But um, 
I didn't realize how much harder it is, excuse me, I didn't realize how much harder it is to discipline within a specials class and how much you don't, you supervise, but you supervise a lot from afar because you're being pulled in a thousand different directions. So for me going into a specials classroom from a regular classroom, that was a big learning curve too. It was almost like kind of being a brand new teacher all over again. Um, because I had to relearn some things where I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I've got this. I'm awesome. I'm, I'm yeah. And then I went into that new position and I was like, what the heck? And so now coming out of that theater background and coming back into the English, I'm trying to shift again, but I think I'm doing, I'm finding myself this time we're doing, um, a lot more, I've always been kind of hands-on and I've always been getting them up out of their seats and those kind of things, but I'm much more about that now than I was before I did specials. Yeah. And when now, now as, um, it's, it's interesting because you've had so many different experiences at different size schools and different subject areas and different things. And it's almost as if you had this really unique, um, recipe of all these different ingredients. (laughs) And, um, do you like looking back, like if you were to compare and contrast, like where you are in your classroom right now as a teacher to, you know, maybe in the first few years, like, can, like, can you see that there's a dramatic difference in how you approach things, how you handle it, how you think about it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I look back on those poor kids and I'm sure they were bored to death. I'm sure they were because (laughs) I, I very much, I was teaching to my stuffed animals. I very much was, um, I, I, I had no clue. I mean, I knew about learning styles and I knew about, you know, getting them up. And of course, back when I first started teaching 21 years ago, kinesthetic learners, we knew about them, but we didn't really employ that that much. Right. We didn't want them. We didn't really want them in groups that much. You wanted them in your five by five rows and you wanted your classroom to be quiet while you were teaching. Yeah. And, you know, if there was noise when the principal walked by, then that was a problem. So and I, I can see now how the way I teach, you know, in co-op groups or um, it, it's so it's so different now because I'm much more of a facilitator now yeah. than I am a teacher the way I was before where I was just lecturing all the time. Sure. So I think also, you know, like learning is supposed to be a little messy. You know what I mean? Like if, you know, the classroom's mm-hmm. supposed to, you know, there's got to be a little bit of a, of a energy to it and a vibe to it and some excitement. Like it has to have a hum and a buzz to it where things mm-hmm. are happening. And, and you're right. Like, and, and think about like I know like 21 years sounds like a long time, but in the, in the scope of things, it's really not that long ago where I think well, even when the learning styles information first came out, I remember being fascinated by like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, they, they learned that. Okay. Interesting. But there was nothing about, well, here's what you do about it. You <laughs> exactly. Know? <laughs> and I would be like, oh, look, I'm a visual learner. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I got that. Okay, great. And they'd be like, but don't teach the way you are. Right. Okay. Well, well, but what, what, what does do that do? mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, and I remember yeah. going to workshops and um and and yeah, I remember like spending a full day workshop on this whole kinesthetic learner and how lots of boys fall into this and here's why they drop out and it's like it was all about how do I identify them and why they're the way they are and then I remember leaving and thinking, well, well, that was riveting, but but uh but like what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> like what we just run around a class like I don't even know what what exactly I have no idea. Yeah, and and now like I think um it also what I I've learned and maybe for you too is 
all the stuff I thought was a big deal 25 years ago when I started, mm-hmm. now I realize, oh my God, that ain't, that's not even a deal. That's not even, that doesn't even get on the page of stuff I need to worry about. No, I think too, and that was, I, I used to be, I was eaten up with stupid stuff, like passing notes. Oh my God, heaven forbid you pass a note. <laughs> or um, I remember grading, and this is going to be blasphemous to some English teachers. It is going to be. I remember when I first started teaching writing, because um, that's what I taught. I didn't just teach it. I taught writing, um, writing and grammar. And I remember I would read these essays and I would mark every single solitary mistake. Yeah. Well, if you, you know, if it takes 20 minutes to grade an essay and you got 135 essays, you're looking at 40 hours now of grading papers. Yeah. And there's just, there's just not time, but I would tear myself up and I would spend so much time on things and now like I'll teach a mini lesson and I'll focus with that mini lesson I'm like okay y'all on this one this paper I'm grading commas I'm checking your introduction your thesis your hook your conclusion I'm looking for supports but specifically I'm grading your commas and the kids were you know they know exactly what I'm looking for. They, we've taught that we've done that but I don't go through and check like spelling every single time or I don't and I used to just, I used to kill myself over yeah. that. It, it took a long time for me to give myself permission to, to not have to grade every single, every single paper or every single mistake. Yeah. So I think also from, <laughs> uh, from a kid perspective too, you know, I know um, just working with so many different personalities of kids, there's a lot of kids out there when they get that paper back and every single thing, you know, is red lined and, or, or if you're, or if you're more compassionate, you use purple and, you know, every little thing is <laughs> right, circled and underlined and X and, mm-hmm. and like, it's just like, Oh my God, like where do I even begin to fix? It? I don't even know where to start. It's just too much where I think you're right. If we give them just one, thing to focus on right now that we can correct and make better i think that's more it's it's easier for the brain to accept it and be able to self-correct absolutely absolutely we always do i always do thesis always do introduction um thesis hook their supporting sentences i always do my conclusions and then i look for their supports main supports in and then one little thing that we've done through a mini lesson and they always know ahead of time before I give the essay, they always know what it is, what it's going to be. And I've been much more successful with that. Yeah. Hey, of all the I'm stuff that you've me. taught, you know, there's so much, man, there's so much you've taught all kinds of stuff. What's been like your favorite? If you, if you could, if you could create a teaching schedule starting in the fall and with whatever class you want, whatever age, what, what would it be? I would do seventh grade writing half a day and I would do theater high school, the second half. Yeah. What, that, what, was, that would be what I would do. What, what is it about seventh grade writing? I love my seventh graders. Um, they are so, they're still young enough that they'll, you know, see you in the hallway and they wave to you and yeah. they're so all, all excited. Um, they're just figuring out who they are. They're just figuring out their voices. They don't know to be the big, bad eighth graders yet. So yeah. they're not sarcastic and smart aleck yet. They try to do a little sarcasm. It usually doesn't work for them, <laughs> but um, <laughs> bless their baby hearts. Uh-huh. But um, they, I, I love them because when we would do our writing, so we would do our share, we always did share. And I still do that in my high school groups. We, I would tell them that you're going to share. You can either volunteer 
or you can be voluntold. But you're going to share each six weeks. You have to share two papers. And we normally write about four papers to six weeks. So um, my kids would write about the most amazing things, like heartfelt, crazy, their parents' divorces or yeah. their sister dying or, I mean, they, and they are so willing to share. They're so willing to work through that. They're so willing to, to be so vulnerable. They don't know to be these hard, brittle adults that we become. And I love their, I love their innocence and I love their hearts. Yeah. I just love me some middle school kids. Love me some middle school kids. You know that whole writing thing. Yeah. What, you know what 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 I love about it. Looking at it, is um, you know when I, when I used to do mentoring programs with students, and so we'd have some high school students mentor elementary kids, and and I would tell them, "Hey, listen, man, you're not like a counselor. You're not there to fix anybody's problem. You're just there to listen and and let the kid open up. And you're not you're not there to give advice. You're not there. You're just there to listen and support them and love them." And that's kind of how I look at those the, those types of papers and those writing assignments that you talk about. Like the kid, for a kid to let it out, like whatever their struggle is, whatever hard at home, you know, maybe you know somebody drinks in the house too much, or maybe there's a, something in the marriage, or there's an angry this, or just the fact they're getting it out and writing it down, they can look at it objectively rather than keeping all that inside and just all nothing but pure emotion and the feelings of that motion, whether it's some sort of pain that, you know, the kid can't let go of it and come to terms with it until it's out of them, whether they talk about it or even better, write about it. And now it's on the paper, it's outside of them, and they can look at it rationally and logically and understand it better and deal with it better. They, uh, my kiddos, one year we did, well, every year we would do a Christmas carol. And then one year I got this wild hair because I always was decorating in the hallway with my junior high kids. And I had this wild hair one year when I was teaching seventh grade writing that I was going to do this Christmas tree and they were going to make these bulbs. I drew these big, tall bulbs and they were going to write down their Christmas wish. If they could have any Christmas wish, it was guaranteed to come true. Anything in the world what would you wish for? So I had a class of like 135 kids and we had talked about, you know, how Scrooge had felt. We talked about Tiny Tim. We had talked about all of that and the true meaning of Christmas. And we had gone through everything with them and, or I had gone everything through with them and they started doing, turning in their, their Christmas bulbs. And I told them, you can write whatever you want for your wish. It's completely anonymous. No one's going to know. It's just you and me, and you're going to decorate it up however you want. I started turning them in, and I've got ones that um, I wish my dad would quit smoking. I wish I could see my little sister one more time. I wish my mom and dad would quit fighting. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I knew who my dad was. Um, that one broke my heart. Um, I wish my dad would be proud of me. Um, I wish my family could just accept me for who I am. Not a single person out of over 130 students asked for anything like commercial, nothing, no, no iPhones, no computers, no cars, no everything. One, every single one of them wanted something non-material, every single one of those kids. And when I put them all up on the tree in the hallway, my kids were walking through and their own hearts broke for each other. And they were like, Miss, who's this one? Miss, who's this one? And I was like, I can't tell you who that is, baby. Because yeah. I knew when they passed them in, you know, I would read it and kind of look at the kids. So I knew who they were. But it really taught them to be more tolerant of each other 
and to see um, each other through kind of different eyes too. Um, and they were much more, that was a special group. They were much more open to one another and much more accepting of one another after that assignment. It was the sweetest thing. I actually ended up doing a PowerPoint presentation and put Amy Grant's grown up Christmas list to it and sent it out to the school board and all of admin and the entire district. Cause I wanted them to see what our kids were feeling and dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, it's a great lesson for kids because it's true. And that is everyone has a story, everyone. And, and when, and what I love about that lesson for your kids is they get to understand that about themselves and equally important is as they walk down the hallway in school or they're in the grocery store or over at the Walmart or on the baseball fields or wherever they are at in town, every person that walks by, every set of eyes they look into, they also have a story. And it's true among everybody. And it really does make them a more um, considerate and compassionate person as they grow older. And, you know, I think for me, you know, that one of the things I've done and people, you know... I think the reason I was successful, in my mind, successful at the secondary level is because I treated it like a like, like an elementary classroom. Like, I really did. Like, even with my seniors. And just, like, little things like show and tell. I tell people, if you're not doing show, I don't care what you teach. You've got to do show and tell. And, like, the older they get, the more unbelievably powerful it is. And to see a senior, because I would, what I would tell them and whether I was doing biology or whatever, it didn't matter what class I was teaching. I would tell them, hey, listen, man, uh, so we're going to have show and tell. When it's your turn, here's, here's some rules. First of all, it has to be legal. You know, you have to, it, it can't be breathing. Yeah. <laughs> it's can't, high school. Yeah. It can't be alive, <laughs> you know. And I would tell them, you know, think about something that would fit. You know, your parents have to know you brought it. It has to fit inside your backpack. Imagine if like your house, your trailer, your apartment, wherever you live was on fire and you have just a minute to grab something of value that means something to you. What would it be? And the, the things that these kids would bring, because they would bring a thing, but more importantly, they brought a story. And they would sit there when it was their turn, and would they um, they would just tell these amazing stories. And like people would ask me in these workshops, well, what do you do when you have this kind of a behavior problem? And I'm thinking, that would never happen in my – that just doesn't happen. <laughs> because we did show and tell. Like because yeah. – they know each other's story and because we're like a little family in that room for those 48 minutes that we're together. I don't have, I just didn't have those behavior issues. So it's hard for me to, to tell people what to do and how to do it in those situations. Yeah. I, that's, it's funny. One of the teachers, I rearranged my classroom. I got that wild hair the other day. So I rearranged the entire classroom and one of my other um, coworkers came in and she was like, I don't understand. How can you leave your comp- your teacher computer way over there and your desk be over here? And she, I, she said, well, won't people mess with it? And I said, no, they're not going to mess with my computer. Yeah. And she was like, what do you mean? But it's sitting over there by itself. And I was like, they know not to. T- I respect them. I'm not going to touch their stuff. I'm not going to mess with. They're not going to mess with my stuff. And she was like, but I don't I don't get that. I have a, um, a, a kid on the spectrum this year who I absolutely love. He has my heart. And I, before I rearranged the classroom where I wanted to put my desk was in his area. Um, and the other kids treat him a little bit with kid gloves. Uh, I've never really done that. I treat him just like one of the, any of my other kids. I give him a hard time. I tease him. Um, love that child to death. Uh, I give him the, treat him the exact same as everybody else. And he has soaked it up. Yeah. 
But before before I moved my desk, I went to him and I said, sweetheart, I'm going to put my desk over here. I'm thinking about putting my desk over here. I know this is your area. I know you don't like to be around people. Tell me if this is OK. What do you think? And so he doesn't like to be touched. So we've instituted this elbow bump thing. And he elbow bumped me. And he said, it's OK. We'll try it. And I said, OK. So I moved it on Wednesday, Tuesday. And then he was gone Tuesday, Wednesday. He came back yesterday, saw it for the first time. And I said, okay, sweetheart, what do you think? Is this going to work for you, buddy? Or am I going to have to move it back? And he was like, no, you're kind of entertaining. I suppose you can be in my space. (laughs) So he's got, the way I organized it, his desk is still sitting there over near where mine is. But all of my kids, they know not to mess with his desk because that's his desk. Like all the classes, all of my sections all day long know that this child in this one class period is going to sit there and they don't mess with it. Um, And they just they have complete and total respect for each other within there, which I love. I love that they they realize, you know, that that he needs his space and he needs to be left alone and he needs he needs that. But. Um, I've been very impressed with him because he leaves his little folder. I have, we do a portfolio system in my class and uh-huh. he leaves his portfolio on his desk. No one ever touches it. He leaves his pencil sitting on his desk. No one ever steals it. It just sits there. That's his stuff. And, and, and people tell you like one day a kid walked by and kind of stopped and looked at the pencil and another kid, one of my little gang members was like, dude, that's not cool. You know, that's his don't uh-uh. do it, man. Right. Don't do it. That's so and funny then, that he uh, he he says you're entertaining. <laughs> it's like he's gonna he's like he's allowing you to be a, a court jester <laughs> in his kingdom. You know, it's I love that. But and here's here's what's awesome about it is, um, you know, years ago I can remember, and I still oh, I still see it though. I I mean, but it was more prevalent years ago. But it's still out there. Is this whole um, this is my class. You are my students. These are my desk. It's my way or the highway. That whole thing. And it just, this is a generation of kid, man. It's just so, it's just, it's just never, ever going to come back. It's never going to work. But when we have this um, approach, just like you would in a family, like you wouldn't ask your daughter, hey, I'm, um, I'm moving in your room. Get out. Like you wouldn't, you would say like, hey man, like here's what we need to do. We have, you know, mom's going to come live with us. And how should we do that? You would talk about it just like the family in the classroom. And I think that's why it's so successful. I, I agree. Well, and I do very much. I still prescribe to Harry Wong. Yeah. You know, he has an odd name. I still do all of that. So at the very beginning of the school year, I teach my procedures. We go through all that. We talk about respect. We talk about mutual respect. What's it going to sound like, feel like, look like. Yep. Um, and so my actual, my class rule is actually what it's WW. What, what would make Ms. Bowers happy? WWMBJH. That's my class rule. And it's on the board, on the wall. Because yeah. if, you know, if it's going to make me happy, if you're being disrespectful, don't do it. That's not going to make me happy. For sure. Not bringing your supplies. not going to make me happy. So, and I tell them, I'm not going to mess with your stuff. You're not going to mess with my stuff. I wouldn't come into your house and leave it messy, disrespect it. You're not going to come into my house and disrespect it. Yeah. And I, I never have any problems. I don't have any problems with that kind of stuff. You know, I see, um, and I get it. Like, there's a style of teacher that is super strict, and I'm not saying that that's awesome. Like, go do your th- if that's your yeah. thing, and that's how you need it. That's fine. But mm-hmm. all I, I, I tell teachers, like, to, you know, I just recommend. I say, hey, listen, 
but just at, just you know facilitate the conversation in such a way that those kids tell you that's what they want for them. So like you just open it up with, hey man, so we're going to kick off this year. We're going to be this family in this classroom. I need to know how do you guys want to be treated? And they're going to tell you we want to be respected. They want this. And just let them go on and write it all down in front of them. And then all you have to do is say, okay, great. Hey, re- re- uh, real quick, is it okay if I ask of that same thing from you? Perfect. I will. Awesome. And like in their mind, you've now earned the right and you've and they've given you the permission to demand the same things of them that they demand of you, which is really what this whole thing is about. When I taught theater, I had my kids come up with their own class rules. Yeah. And their class rules were always, they came up with five. They were always the exact same. Always. It was be respectful, you know, yeah. uh, be prepared, be positive, you know. That's always what they boiled down to, which were the five rules that I wanted anyway. Yep. Um, Happens so, every time. And, and I know we'd make posters and they would, they felt such ownership because they created these rules, right. not realizing that was what I wanted anyway. So I'll tell you what does make it easier is um, just the fact that you guys are about to get at some point in the back of their mind, they know you're going to get on stage and perform. And so I've always thought it would be interesting, or that's why, you know, athletic teams are so successful or marching band or whatever. But what if like freshman algebra was going to get on the middle of the field on Friday night or on the gym floor and people from all around town are going to fill the gym and scream and yell while they take algebra test, you know, and they have to be success. They're going to compete on algebra. But, you know, I think like they too would come up with some classroom rules, you know, that would facilitate <laughs> success cool. if they're going to be, you know, in front of everybody, you know, competing against some other school with algebra. Like the fact that there's a performance, there's a there's a little bit of added incentive as well. I agree. I agree. Uh, I agree. Hey, so um, it's been ha- interesting this year. Yeah. How so? Well, just in that this year, I have it's an urban school, so I have more uh-huh. you know gang members. I have more um, drugs. I've lost some to to jail this year. That kind of thing. But then also, um, I'm teaching remediation. That's all I'm teaching. Uh huh. So every single kid that I have, sophomore to senior, um, every single one of them has failed the EOC at least once. Um, Most of them have failed a minimum of three times because they took it last December. They took it in April. Well, I guess four times because they took it in December. They took it in April. They took it during the summer. They've taken it in December again and failed. And so now we've just taken it again. So I talked to my kids really hard about – they all see themselves as failures because they're in this class and they're, you know, they're stupid. They're dumb. They, they suck. They, they're horrible people. And I told them, I said, you know, and they'll tell you, they're like, miss, I suck. I can't do this. Miss, I'm dumb. I can't do this. And I've, I've worked with them really hard this year on trying to explain to them that, you know, you're not stupid. You're not, you're, you know, you, you may be a little lazy, but you're not stupid (laughs) (laughs) and they take that pretty well actually because they're like you're right you're right but i I, that's it's been because this is all remediation this year um it's been a little bit a little bit hard for me because they're not they're not all sped kids some of them are some of them are ell so they're english language learners and this is you know their first time that they're trying to pass the test because it's all eoc1 and eoc2 for english but bless their hearts. It's it's been it's been very interesting trying to to build something with them and try to get over some past hurts because they are positive that they're nothing. 
So I agree. If somebody were out there cheering them on and going, dude, you rock, then it would be way different. For sure. Um, you know, that's, sure, that's the challenge with those kids that um, struggle because at this point, you know, by, you know, by the time you get to high school, they have so much data, like there's so much evidence that the, in their mind, they really do think I'm a failure because they have the, over the years, they think they've seen so much evidence of that on their paper. It says right there, it clearly says seven, you know, you know, uh, 53, that's my grade. You know, I have evidence that I'm a failure and I'm not good at this and I suck at this or whatever. And um, it's hard, like as an educator, it's hard to overcome that ingrained belief system that's been established over the last 10 years of their life. So one thing that we've talked about a lot in my in my class, because all my kids take selfies, and I had mentioned this to you before, um, all my kids, of course, take selfies all the time. Yeah. And um, I told them right before the star test, and I tell them this not when it's the star test, but... Um, I told them, I said, you know, guys, y'all take selfies. And you, as soon as you get that selfie, you slap a filter on it. And I said, you know, you take, you may take 50 selfies. And the first one doesn't work because, you know, the angle's wrong. Or this one doesn't work because the light's wrong. Or that one doesn't work because the camera was crooked. Or you didn't like how the hair blew in your face or whatever. I said, you take 50 selfies and you get one that's decent. And then you stick a filter on it. Um, that doesn't mean you're beautiful doesn't mean you're gorgeous. It means you took 50 pictures and one turned out and you kind of like it feeling, feeling pretty may delete later, you know, whatever y'all do. Yeah. Um, I said, that doesn't mean that the other 49 make you ugly. And our star tests are the exact same way. Our tests are the exact same way. It's a snapshot on one day. Yep. That's all it is. And this grade right here on this essay, it's one day or this grade on this vocabulary test or this grade on whatever it's one day. What matters is the other 180 that you work on. You got 183 other days that you can kill it on 182 other days that you can kill it on. So, you know, it doesn't measure whether or not you can speak two languages. It doesn't measure whether or not you help somebody. It doesn't measure whether or not you can kill it, you know, helping your little your mom out with your little brother or you play the piano beautifully or you can draw it doesn't show that it doesn't show how you are at your heart yeah. all it is is a snapshot on one day so don't let it define who you are because it shouldn't that selfie doesn't define who you are this doesn't define who you are and I, I tell them you know I, I love you whether you're pretty I'd love you whether you're ugly I'm gonna <laughs> love you whether you pass the test I'm gonna love you whether you fail the test yeah but yeah, so that's that's been a really hard lesson for these kids this year. You know, it's so hard when you're out there. Really... Yeah, I was gonna say when you're out there and like you meet people and um, you know you, you meet these wonderful people, you know, in your life, and not once in your mind as you meet this this awesome person that's new in your life, do you think, I wonder if they know where to put the comma? You know what I mean? Like it has nothing to do with it. You know, it's, it's, you know, and, and what they're contributing to the world and all they're doing, you know, but right now in a kid's life, this is so much they feel because this is what we talk to them all the time about. And they spend hours every day, more time in that classroom and in the school than they do with their family at home. And, and this is like the main thing in their life. And it it's so, um, man, it really sets a kid up on a trajectory for the rest of their life and like how we have them make sense of this experience of pass or fail or they're great or they're good at this or not that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard for like some kids, it's like their brain just isn't wired for that information, mm -hmm. which is fine. Like I'm not mechanically inclined. It doesn't make me a bad person. 
You know, there's so exactly. much, there's so many things I'm bad at, but I'm not, but I'm okay. Like I do really well at what I, what I like, what I'm good at. I just don't worry about the other stuff, but it's hard for a kid because they're forced to worry about all the other stuff right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's been just one kind of getting them over the hump of thinking that they're stupid yeah, and thinking that they're worthless and thinking that they're dumb. Um, and it was funny because when I went in and when I approached them with that conversation, originally, um, one of my kids told me, he was like, miss, nobody ever talks to us like this. Nobody talk, nobody tells us this kind of stuff. And I said, cause I told him, I said, y'all think you're stupid cause you're in here. Don't, don't deny it. I know you do. You look at everybody else in the regular classes because they have regular English, then there's special education English, and then there's mine. So some of them, everybody's taking two Englishes. If they've got me, they're taking two Englishes. Yeah. And so I told them, I said, you know, I know you think you're stupid because you're in here. I know your friends think you're stupid, but you're not. You're not stupid at all. You're lazy. <laughs> you're really right. hardcore lazy, right. but you're not stupid. Yeah. So, and I told them, I said, some of you, you know, you have gaps. Some of you had, you know, you didn't pay attention when you were younger and you let something important got left out or, you know, you were dyslexic and it took us a while to, to diagnose that, or you spoke another language and now you're here and you're trying to pass a test the same as somebody else who's been here their entire life. So it's, it's different, but it doesn't make you stupid. And that's, I, I think that for me is the biggest thing that I want our kids to know is they're not stupid that they're all worthy and they all matter and they're all important. They're all enough just as they are. You know, what I love is I love that. um, I love that those kids that uh, struggle, that they have, you know, like a champion in their life. I love that they have you in their life and, and somebody who believes in them and, and knows how important it is to tell them that you believe in them. And, and because you know what I've realized, even those kids that like right now in your classroom and you tell them how much you love them and you believe them and they roll their eyes and all that stuff, but it's going in there and it sticks in there. And you know, what, what, and with my work with teachers, like part of that is, is trying to convince teachers on a level where this kid, like it's working. I know it doesn't look like it's working. I know it, he's acting like he doesn't believe it and acts like he doesn't even pay attention and won't even look at you, but I'm telling you years from now, that's going to be the first kid that comes back and says, thank you. It made it, you know, and and tells you, and you're going to think, what? You weren't even paying attention when you're in. Yeah, of course he was. (laughs) And it's, man, it's, it's such a powerful experience for a kid right now that feels like they're um, struggling and and they feel like they're not worthy and they feel like they're not good at any of this. And they're forced to do something they're not good at every day. It's so important for them to have someone like you in their life. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, thank you for hanging out with me, man. I loved, I love chatting with you, and I love the fact that um, we've, uh, 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 I don't know, stayed like Facebook friends this whole time, and and you're like one of those people. You know how like you can like you're a friend, and also you can follow them. I don't, I, I just friend. I have lots of like uh, tons of friends, mm-hmm. but I only follow a few. And you're and you're one of them. So like your stuff always comes up in my feed, so I can always mm-hmm. read it because it's always inspiring. Thank you. If it ain't inspiring, it's funny. And that is uh, <laughs> sometimes equally awesome. <laughs> Thank you. All Thank right. you. I appreciate that. Hey, tomorrow's uh, Easter. No, not tomorrow. When is it? What's today? Say Saturday? <laughs> Today's Friday. Friday. All right. Friday. 
How did I think of? Oh, I was out late last night. How do I went to a, a, a thing for my kids' school, like a fundraiser thing? And, and I, when if I'm late, late, it's clearly Friday. So today's Saturday in my mind. It is Friday. All right. No. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Have an amazing Easter, and uh, and I'll and I'll and I'll see you in probably a few minutes on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.